1: It's time. recording we're good god damn it welcome it took us a while to set this up but you made it work finally
0: well first of all i'd like to apologize even though nobody knows this i was supposed to do it yesterday uh <laughs> but uh I was embarrassed, I forgot, and I woke up an hour after I was supposed to call you, so I apologize.
1: It is okay, you'd be surprised how often that happens. Comics uh, were notoriously unreliable.
0: Yeah, but I actually, I probably don't give people the uh, the vibe that I am professional and like, but I really, uh, I respect how hard it is to line up guests and stuff, and so I- Make it work? I, I felt
1: awful. Oh, fuck. I told you don't feel awful. What are you talking about? We did a day later. Who gives a shit? Is anyone, is anyone dead? Are we dealing in the medical profession? Come on. we're If, if anyone's allowed to fuck around, it's us. Yeah, absolutely. We're, so how the fuck have you been, bro? It's been a while.
0: I mean, surviving, uh, I mean, I know we're all... Uh, I mean, I'm a little bit better than most straight stand-ups because I can do voiceover work still. Okay. Um, so that, uh, I guess, keeps me sane. Like, But I feel bad for some of my straight stand-up friends. I don't mean sexuality-wise, but I mean just people who just do stand because, you know, even though they moved to Austin, it's like you're not going to make a living there.
1: Is your whole scene dead now? Everyone just left and went to Austin?
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, pretty much. I mean, there's no shows in LA. Uh, I mean, there's one kind of like underground prohibition style open mic, but uh, it's 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 not for me. It's a bunch of not newer comics, but like uh, lesser known comics, smoking weed, playing, wh- doing whippets. <laughs> not really a microphone i want to be around in a pandemic so uh but there's very few shows like i did a few shows maybe a month ago with rob schneider okay uh in like orange county uh in a baseball field so uh and you guys are taking
1: that social distancing thing really seriously
0: well i mean and i'm in west hollywood which at one point was like the epicenter of the at least for California, the pandemic, because it's not to bore Canadians with like the, the local geography of West Hollywood, but it it's only a 1.9 square mile city, but it, it's probably got probably a million people. Well, I've, you know, I've been to your
1: house. People. You're actually at a very good spot. You were in the middle it's of everything.
0: It's an amazing spot in terms of like, I can walk to the comedy store. I can uh, if I'm really feeling it, walk to the improv. and uh, Well, I don't get booked at the Laugh Factory, but I could walk there uh, to see Jeremy Piven bomb for 15 minutes. Uh, Wait,
1: why won't the factory uh, book you? Is it because you refuse to yell racial slurs at the top of your lungs <laughs> on stage? Is that why?
0: <laughs> that was the best set I've ever seen uh, Mike, Mike Richards have. Oh, yeah, uh, he um, was killed? I don't know. I, you know, I, uh, I mean, it's a nice club, you know. And I'm certainly not at the level where I can be like, I don't want to play there. Uh, but, uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm happiest at the comedy store anyway, but I'd still like to play there. Uh, but it's, uh, we're packed on top of each other. If you remember, I mean, like I could literally touch the apartment building that's right next door. Yeah. Uh, um, and same with the, uh, the, the one to the other side. So, uh, And, you know, West Hollywood, they party. So, like, when the (laughs) pandemic was first happening, it didn't really stop the the bars and nightclubs from going full tilt.
1: Oh, fuck. Okay, okay. So it just spread.
0: Yeah, I mean, I remember the first week, there's, I live, uh, well, you know where I live, but at the end of my street, there's two uh, big nightclubs. And, uh, like, the first week of the pandemic where it was, like, Uh, hey everyone stay home and wear your mask and all that these clubs were wall-to-wall people no mask you know i'm not like wear your mask maniac but you know (laughs) i don't think we were helping the cause early on
1: it's a fucking they pulled a new aids it just spread everywhere
0: well yeah i mean you know it's especially in west hollywood like you know we're so on top of each other uh that uh and you know i'm not like some like right-wing maniac that wear three masks but i don't know i mean no it's, no, it's, it's not uh, even a three it's it's a small like I, in the I, beginning it was the small
1: things that people weren't doing Like here was the same thing too in the beginning there was so much panic we overdid it so then we kind of went the opposite route we're like fuck these masks for a bit and now everyone's in the middle they're like, all right, listen. I'll wear my mask if I'm going out. I'm going to a certain place. Leave me alone when I'm home. That kind of thing. That's where we're at now.
0: Yeah, like I just played hockey this morning, and and I had a mask on, and you know, I would probably say seventy uh, percent of the players had masks on. You know, While you're playing? Didn't. Yeah, just uh, this morning. You know, it's I got to do something when I'm not around comics. Yeah, uh, yeah. Just for like an hour or two and it's great because you know everyone i play with they you know they work at walmart or you know they uh they're in college or you know or they are just they're not in the entertainment business so it's, it's really refreshing to not have to like talk about anything comedy related for just an hour or two
1: and you, you you've had the same crew you've been playing hockey with for a while
0: yeah i've been in this uh well now the league's not allowed to play to uh function right now has a league because you know uh you know, health
1: restrictions yeah, in
0: yeah but uh, this is kind of like a renegade group that hey we're all healthy uh, if anyone's sick don't show up uh you know if you have a temp like we're actually policing ourselves and uh no one's gotten sick or anything so uh you know i mean i'm is it the smartest thing i'm doing there's I'm probably increasing the chances five percent, but uh, I'm pretty healthy, so I'm not that worried.
1: Yeah, I, I feel kind of the same way about being pretty healthy and not too worried about getting it. I do everything I can in my power to protect myself. Uh, mostly because I don't want to get like uh, you know other people sick. Because I don't want I don't want to be responsible for killing anyone. But at the same time, I can't stop everything, bro. Like we got to live. Like I'm ready to go back on stage tomorrow. If they open if they open comedy clubs up here tomorrow, I'm there like that's how ready yeah, i am mean,
0: i think cuz you know like i work out every day and uh you know i do some like i'm going to sound like rogue in a bit here but like <laughs> me and my fiance we go to this place um uh, up the street on sunset where uh, you, you sit in a hot sauna for 45 minutes it's 157 degrees uh and then we jump into the cryo chamber right after and and so I, I think uh, I think if you're healthy, you even if you get it, you're going to beat it. I'm not a doctor, but, like, you know, I, I think... Uh, I'm not a doctor, I, but I think I, the like, science
1: supports what you're saying. I, I want to go back to the cryo chamber, bro. I'm curious. Uh, it, it's just really, really cold for, for a small period of time. Is that what it does?
0: Yeah, yeah. It's three and a half minutes, and it, I think, you know, it, it's the opposite of the hot sauna, where the, the hot sauna, it's 157 degrees um i mean you start sweating two minutes in uh and uh but they have a tv you can watch so it helps pass the time i don't think i could do it with no tv like you you'd literally be like i can't take this after 10 minutes uh and then you go right into the cryo which i think is minus 130
1: and what does that do what's it for because i know a lot of people like you were saying rogan rogan does that kind of shit what is it for what does it do
0: like for me i have a torn acl uh, in my right leg and it's totally rebuilt uh and uh you know it's like a bionic leg but it does get really sore and like uh you know so it helps with the inflammation it it helps with the collagen in your skin, like you know, it makes you look a little younger, I guess, uh, for a day or two, and then you know your collagen obviously goes back to you know what you look like before. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, I think it uh, really boosts your immune system, which obviously is is pretty good, and given the times we're going through, so um, and a lot of it's mental too. It just makes you feel like I just sat in the sauna for you know forty five minutes you know better than sitting on a couch
1: yeah no no, i'm with you I, I always like i like steam rooms i like saunas but i've never done any of the cryo chamber shit and when things get back to normal i want to start going to these spa resorts that have that kind of stuff i want to try them out
0: yeah it really helps like you know hockey's you know i'm 52 so it's like brutal on my back and even if i didn't have a torn acl i would do it
1: uh are you guys playing of, ice or down there or ball hockey
0: uh today it was ball hockey uh which it, I find actually um, harder.
1: Uh, Same, play. and it kills. I still play, and it kills my knees.
0: Oh yeah, I mean we play on a roller rink, so it's a hockey rink, you know, cement. Um, and, but it's a very competitive. I think when I tell people I play ball hockey, they think, of, you know, we're just fucking around, you know, like. But uh, like, there's a one guy plays on the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, he's on their farm team uh and uh another guy this guy named eric he's a slovenian uh, pro hockey player so like and they take it seriously yeah no shit yeah (laughs) i mean there's not fights per se but like uh it's it's um i think you'd be surprised at the competitive level uh which is fine for me at 52 i'm not looking to like you know be a pro ball hockey player but uh It's enough uh, competition for my competitive juices for two hours. Where I'm glad I
1: did it. It's funny that you said you're 52 year old because you never look 52. You always look like you're in your 40s. It's like you came out looking like you were in your 40s, but you kept it like you look youthful.
0: Well, I'm you know uh, because I don't. I think a lot of it is I've never had a drug or drink in my life. So oh, you've
1: been straight edge your whole life.
0: Yeah, I've never tasted alcohol, Um, and I'm not trying to preach, I just... uh, How did that happen? How did you...
1: Because I know you love Hollywood. I mean, you're in West Hollywood all the time. How did you avoid all that stuff?
0: I've been around more drugs and alcohol than Keith Richards. I believe Uh, it. uh, To be honest, well, you know, at the comedy store, I see a lot of a lot. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, But uh, my mom, you know... I. I have two brothers, two sisters and you know, my dad was a pretty hard party for a large portion of his life. So my mom was like, okay, you're the last hope in this family <laughs> of being, like, uh, even though my sis, my oldest sister's like graduated number one in her class at Stanford. Like she was incredibly, is incredibly smart. My mom was like, I need someone in this family who doesn't drink. Uh, if you don't drink till you're 18, I'll buy you the car of your choice um, within reason. Um, and so I didn't, and then I, I got the car and afterwards I was like, well, why start now? Yeah. <laughs> like, you don't know what you're missing if you don't have it. So, uh, w- and I'm glad I don't cause I'm, I have a very addictive personality. Um, you know, like I drink energy drinks, that's probably worse than alcohol. Um,
1: so, are you downing um, them too much?
0: Oh, i've already had two today and it's uh what time is it uh 108 out here i've already had two
1: yeah it's four so, it's 4 p.m here and i want you to know that this is my fifth coffee so oh, well, i
0: get it like i can't hate on you for drinking it like um people have tried to get me to drink coffee because they're like well it's a little better than you know like bang or rockstar but uh
1: but none of I, it's good for enough. you it's not and none of it is an excuse. that's why i tell people when uh when we talk about their addictions I go I'm nobody to preach because the amount of coffee I pump in me, it's gonna be what kills me. There's no way that much caffeine is but gonna I mean, keep I, me alive
0: oh yeah no, I I mean I figure that uh, if caffeine and energy drinks or you and coffee is like the worst thing we're putting in our body, I'm okay with that. yeah, that's how I feel uh, you know, especially given how much I work out like uh, I'm willing to roll the dice on. Uh, Overconsumption of caffeine.
1: Hey, dude, I know that you're, um, because you, you're. It's not a secret. You're in love with West Hollywood. You're in love with the comic store. You're in love with the scene there, which is good. That's how you should be as a comic over there. With everyone leaving and going different places, mostly Austin, because they're following uh, Rogan. Does it make you think about ever moving?
0: Oh yeah, you think about it. Uh, and if I was more in with Rogan. I mean, we're friends, but uh, you know, there's just too many people ahead of me with him. So, uh, you know, I mean, he asked me to be on his podcast once and I've never been so excited in my life. He, He came up to me at the end of the night in the Comedy Store kitchen and he just looks at me and goes, it's time you come on the podcast. And I was like, I froze. I'm like, okay, don't act too excited. Don't just be cool. Act like it's just no big deal. And he gave me his number to call me tomorrow. We'll set it up. And I I was so fucking scared. I didn't call him for like three days. And uh, I could tell when I called him three days later, he was very nice to me. But I could get a sense of he was like, why are you calling me?
1: Oh, he forgot. uh, Well, he's he's busy as fuck.
0: And I know that he hates from what I and I get it. Uh, he hates when you ask to be on and I get that. Um, So I, I, I kind of blew it. Uh, Oh fuck. But I would move there, you know, if I was like Hinchcliffe or uh, who else, um, you know, like Brian Moses or, or, uh, you know, other people who are in with him, I'd probably follow him there too. Like,
1: you but know, isn't it more, because I understand following your, like I understand following your friends and also Rogan now in comedy would be a guy to follow, but I'm wondering how would that translate to Austin? Because it's still at the end of the day, it's still Austin. It's not West Hollywood. So if everyone well, think, just moves yeah. there, yeah, I don't think it could sustain that type of, like, I don't even know how Kill Tony's going to work down there since there's not that many open micers to fuck with.
0: I mean, I think, I mean, you're definitely right. I, I think you like. And I'm just guessing the the mindset of the people who follow Joe down there. Like, they do it more for road work. Like,
1: okay, because
0: I, I I Tony was in or is in Miami this weekend, and I'm sure that helps. Uh, you know, I know Moses was on uh, Rogan uh, this week, uh, so I I would go on just to raise my vis- visibility.
1: Oh yeah, I'm talking about for the show for sure. If you say no to going on Rogan, that's absurd to me. I don't know why anyone in any field would say no, it's the biggest show on the planet. I mean, in terms of actually moving and trying to be a comic in Austin, I think there's very few that can make it their home base and still go out because you kind of, you, you get lost. You know, it's, it's it's Austin. It's not, there's nothing wrong with Austin, but it's it's definitely not, uh, you know, in New York or in L.A.
0: Oh, yeah, I mean, I think uh, I'm not too familiar with the scene there, but I know there's, I think, a club there called Cap City, and then uh, there's hyenas in, like, Fort Worth and Dallas. Dallas, uh, yeah. So, uh, and I think there's an improv. Uh, there's an improv in Houston. Yeah, I think that's where Ralphie May, uh, in, like w- was uh, big before he came here. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think if you're like me and you're just – just friends with joe and you're not like in the inner circle i'm gonna stay out in la but i'm also lucky because i can do voiceover work like i'm I'm not gonna say i'm in demand but you know i got a lot of uh buzz i guess you'd say uh when i was on tyler the creator's cartoon
1: yeah
0: because i was the only white guy on the show so um that gets me a lot of auditions that, uh, you know, you have to be in LA for. So, uh,
1: do they make it's, you it's go to fun. the voiceover auditions to record in their studios, or do they let you do it from home if you have the equipment?
0: Well, the last year it's been at home, um, and I'm lucky enough to, you know, because my podcast and uh, uh, last week a recent upgrade to the mic. Like I bought a mic um, that is a studio quality mic. i mean it was the I, i'm not trying to impress you but it was a thousand bucks oh fuck!
1: okay good the,
0: i mean i wish i could show it to you because it's right here but i i can't tilt my mac that way uh <laughs> but i mean you have to upgrade it, voiceover i never thought i would say this is a hundred times more difficult than stand-up um in, in terms of making it
1: oh man dude uh, I'm pretty sure it's hard there too, but over right. here it's nearly impossible to, to break into voiceover. Like they have the established people that do the voiceover work and it's very hard for you to sneak in there.
0: I mean, I lucked out because one night during roast battle, uh, uh, Tyler, the creator was in the crowd and, uh, I had no idea who he was because I'm, you know, I'm an eighties metal head, like, you know, rat and poison and uh, Vince, Neil, and kiss and, So I just thought he was some skinny black dude, and I was ripping into him. And this is in the early days of Roast Battle, when it was, (laughs) let's just say, it wasn't the product you saw on television. It was wild. Um, And he came up to me after the show, and that's how I got hired on the cartoon. Like, uh, you know, I'd never done voiceover work ever. And then uh, all of a sudden, I'm the, basically the lead on an Adult Swim cartoon, which is insane to th- have that be your first gig. Uh,
1: so uh, Was he like, sir, can you drop those N-bombs on the mic? Because if you can do it on the microphone <laughs> in one oh, of yeah, my studios, you're good.
0: <laughs> he, he said that to me yeah. uh, because, you know, this is like in the Wild West days of roast battles, So I was going pretty crazy in that room and uh he's like i just need to know one thing dude and you got the gig because i love your voice and i'm thinking to myself first of all who are you and he's like oh i'm tyler the creator i'm like great i'm earl the comic Uh, (laughs) um what what, do you need to know and he's like well your, your voice is amazing for a white guy you're gonna be working with all black dudes um are you comfortable with that? And I'm like, yeah, I play basketball. I think I can manage. <laughs> and, uh, he's like, well, can you say the N word on camera? And I, I pause and I'm like, are you going to pay me? <laughs> and, uh, you know? And then that's like, that's funny. I mean, it's a joke I do on stage, but it's, that's the true story of, uh, how I got it. And then, you know, there was a problem, uh, you know, the, it was kind of funny. The first time I recorded for him, we at some rich dude's house in the hills. And I mean, this is like a. It had to have been a five to ten million dollar home. I mean, it was it was just amazing. And uh, we go into the studio and this studio, I'll guess, had at least a million dollars worth of equipment in it. You know, guitars, drums, uh, a, a soundboard that like was like the whole length of the room. And, uh, so I go into to the recording booth and, uh, I had to say the N word, you know, and I, I don't mean the, the GGA, the a version, I mean the other version. Oh, hard R. So I'm doing, and I get to the word and every black cast member pokes their head through the window <laughs> and looks at me. And, uh, let's just say we had to do a few retakes. <laughs> what? A- <laughs> I messing up on purpose. Just so I could say the word over and over again. And, uh. Uh, but there was only one other problem where I was in, uh, season two, you're in like season one, you were just by yourself. Mm -hmm. So if I had a scene with you, I would say the lines, they would play me your lines. And then you'd come in after I had left and you know, you just do it individually. But season two, you were in the room with the people you were, uh, in the scene with. So like, I play the dad on the show, and I walk into the studio to meet my wife, uh, son, and daughter. They're black in real life, and they look at me, and they're like, well, who are you? I'm like, oh, I'm Barry Jelly. I'm the dad. And they all were like, well, you're white. I'm like, well, you're black. Uh, what else we got to cover? And, you know, it was just because uh, uh, so, so
1: they didn't even know when they were hearing your voice, when they were doing their voiceover part, they didn't know who you were. No one ever looked up their fucking co-workers.
0: No, not well I'm so unknown at the time I mean really all I had um at, at the first season was roast battle and I don't think that had been on TV yet so uh you know I think I'm dying up here had just started so I even if you looked my name up on IMDB you wouldn't have a picture of me that's for sure uh and uh but but like it it it's a it's been an amazing show to work on just because they're so nice and like You know, Tyler and his crew, like it's really just his best friend, Lionel, and and Carl Jones, who's like this legendary, uh, he did like the Boondock Saints. I like that show. He's he's legit. Uh, It's a very small crew, but they're so nice. It's like the complete opposite of comedy and roast battle where, you know, please, thank you, good job, you know.
1: Well, you know what I just realized? If everyone, because we're talking about comedy and the voice of work, if everyone is leaving and going to Austin once shit picks up over there, then guys like you that have the experience theoretically would be getting most of the gigs.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I think uh, what people are gonna find that now, I don't know what it's like in Montreal, but like uh, the rent in L.A. is brutal. Uh. So, and unless you're in a rent controlled situation, which is unbelievable, you could live. Like, I could rent out my condo for $4,000 a month. Oh, fuck. Uh, and I could ask for six. Like I'm under no restrictions. But the building next to me is rent control because it's been there forever. So those people are paying, I think, $800 a month. Uh,
1: for kind of the so, same living situation.
0: Yeah. yeah oh, fuck. Yeah, but, like, I've known friends, some of my friends who moved to Austin, they were in, like, a $1,250 apartment that's not rent control. So, you know, when life gets back to normal again, and it will, that $1,250 apartment is now probably two grand. So, you know, it's going to be hard for people. I don't think they're really thinking long term of, okay, when I move back to LA, well, I hope you're making money because that's the only reason you're going to be able to move back.
1: Oh fuck! It's true because the rent in Austin probably is uncomparable to what they would have to pay in L.A. They're saving yeah, some I mean, money.
0: I would, yeah, I would guess twelve hundred and fifty in Austin probably gets you a house, like literally a <laughs> house. No, I'm not like you know. Whereas twelve fifty on my street, you're lucky if you get a small studio for. 1700, but like I'm in a high rent area, so
1: but you're also uh, in a prime fucking spot. Like you said, it, first of all, it's, it's nice to be there, you can walk around there, everything's nice, but you're so close to everything. If you're in comedy and it's you can afford it, that's the place to be over. Well, you know, when things are open,
0: oh, it's like ideal because the you know, if, if you're a road comic, you know, the airport, uh, is you know, maybe 20 minutes away, uh, LAX, that is Burbank's a little farther, but like. Um, so I, 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 lucked out, uh, you know, for sure. But, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting once, um, you know, this gets back to relative normalcy. Uh, I think that people I'm talking for LA, the people who stayed here are going to benefit at least the ones who worked hard and, and built things up or, you know, they sold some cartoons or scripts, you know, you're going to be able to see real fast who worked and who just sat on their ass.
1: Is there a lot of those Have you, you have friends that just sat there?
0: Oh yeah. I mean, not a lot, but a fair amount. Like the guy, uh, one of the comics who opened up, uh, on the shows with Schneider, uh, you know, that's whatever we, that was like last month or so. That's like 10 months into the pandemic. He was doing the same jokes I've heard him do five years ago. So it's like he was, and they were funny and stuff, but like, you know it's like obviously he wasn't writing a lot um you know i you know got some things i'm trying to sell you know a cartoon idea and you know it just sucks right now in la that people aren't buying things right now just because you can't shoot them Uh, but it's slowly opening up so uh you know i I think you know some of the people who moved to austin and and tennessee to uh you know they're I don't know i i just think long term it's they're gonna be hurting most of them because you know yeah you're doing shows right now but that that's not really getting you anywhere you know you're you're satisfying your fix but you know it, it's but you know everyone's got to do what they got to do for themselves like so
1: i hope it fucking works out for most of them dude i realize well oh. you're in my head you're all like i see you like earl to me like I, you make me think of West Hollywood, but where are you from originally?
0: Actually, I grew up in the hills of Bel Air. Okay, so, like so that,
1: you're around there.
0: <laughs> but like when I tell people Bel Air, they think, "Oh, you're like Russell Peters, rich." And it's like, it, it was very lucky. My dad bought a home in Bel Air in I think the mid early '60s when Bel Air was just hillside, like. An old side. like literally it was just mountains of shrubbery and few homes and then uh there was a very famous bel-air fire and my dad was so fucking i don't know if cheap is the right word but our house was not burning down <laughs> he was out there on the roof with a sprinkler hose and uh i think our house was the only house in bel-air that survived the fire oh shit um, so then we got to grow up, you know, in the 70s and 80s when, you know, athletes were moving in and, and building these massive mansions. Uh, Harry Nielsen, uh, who's often called the Fifth Beetle, uh, he was our next door neighbor. Uh, and so I, I was, we were like the Adams family. We, we did not have, we were like middle class, but our neighbors were like Stallone and OJ and um it was so it was an interesting uh we got to live like rich people but we weren't
1: but fuck that means that your whole life you knew that's what you know is you know the hollywood lifestyle that's it that's your because i was always thinking you know people go back home if shit doesn't work out but that is your home that's all you know
0: well that's why i don't get really starstruck because uh i like i said i mean i used to see uh, oj jogging and and this is before he killed two people and uh (laughs) you know i used to see kareem abdul jabbar who like for like like i said anyone in their late 40s 50s and 60s like kareem was R. jordan yeah uh, so to see him and go hey kareem like, you know to go to his house for halloween uh and then you know james khan the actor, and so many uh, will chamberlain
1: will chamberlain um, was uh was yeah, oj
0: across the was OJ nice? Uh, he was nice to me. Like he'd throw me the football every now and then. Like I'd be tossing the football with my dad and in, in our uh, in the street because <laughs> our street was kind of like our backyard because it was just like you know we lived in the mountains. So uh, and then OJ would be jogging and he'd hey throw me the ball Jim my dad and then we'd he'd throw me the ball real fast and then keep jogging and then you know. Half hour later, Stallone's jogging. Uh, you know, with uh, this is when he lived with the tennis player. I have this really bizarre uh, memory. Susan Anton, no, she was an actress, but she was like a big tennis girl, uh, and and so that that was my childhood scene. Elvis lived um, right below us, like uh, we could throw a rock in his pool. Oh shit. Um, it wasn't a big deal to me when I was a kid cuz I didn't really know who he was which is crazy to say but uh,
1: Elvis of all people
0: Yeah, I know like the greatest entertainer ever It was your neighbor and was like oh that's that, that's that wacky guy with the sideburns <laughs> uh and then uh like Jane Mansfield like the the, the the pinup girl from the 50s or 60s she she was like right So it was like I don't get starstruck when I, you know, see, I mean, in LA and I'm sure it's the same in Montreal, like, but like a hundred times more here, like you can go to the dog park and there's an actor.
1: uh, Yeah. Yeah. Well, in LA, I I experienced that more than anywhere else. We'd be at a restaurant eating and it was just because the thing is, we're always around there, right around West Hollywood. So everyone's there. So anywhere you go for you guys is different. There's always someone that you've seen on TV which I guess is kind of strange, but for you, growing up there, that's all you know. If you go somewhere where there are no stars, then you're going to feel weird.
0: Yeah, I mean, you do feel like if you go to, uh, I don't know.
1: Idaho. This, this,
0: yeah. Well, that's why Like, it's funny. When I uh, did Edmonton many years ago with Schneider, Like, they were so starstruck. I got so many people coming up to me and going, Hey, you were in that movie bench warmers. And I'm like, how the hell did you recognize me from that? That was like, <laughs> I think it was 2010. I was up there with Schneider and bench warmers was in like 2005. And I, I was in like the quickest scene, like, but they're so starved for like anyone who's not an Edmonton oiler to be a in in their city that they like to me to them i was a celebrity which is insane to me
1: when you think about it yeah it's fucking crazy God, edmonton i preferred you and i'm dying up here that's why i preferred you
0: well i was barely in it i mean i i was in it enough to say i was in it
1: well but, every time uh, you'd come on i'd be like it's fucking early
0: <laughs> i the scene still yeah uh, in, well it's funny they for season uh, three, well, there was no season three, but like uh, the main writer comes up to me and goes, hey, we, we wanted you to know, like, when we know we're not using you a lot and we want to get you some more s- scene time. We had a scene uh, for next season uh, where Ari, and Ari was the blonde girl, uh, 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 Cassie, and, and that was her name in the show. Yeah, uh, She's so desperate, she sleeps with you.
1: I like how they describe that. You're like, wait a second. And I was <laughs> There's a different way to phrase it. this. <laughs> it's
0: amazing. And then they're like, but the network said, uh, this is right at the height of the Me Too stuff. They're like, well, we don't want her getting passed around like that. So they, had to, they didn't shoot the scene. But I'm like, come on, man.
1: Passed around. You
0: want a realistic version of comedy?
1: Yeah. <laughs> you want a realistic version of comedy? They're all sleep with me. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I mean, not all, but like, uh, this is how, how it happens. So, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I mean, that show, uh, you know, I, I'm still asked why it didn't do better. Uh, I don't know. You know, it's just the weird, I think it was too realistic.
1: That was a good show, by the way. I watched the whole thing. I liked that show. The only thing that I hated was in the beginning uh, with her, actually, when I think it was her that went from the jokes aren't working to four seconds later it clicked. I've discovered how to do stand up and now I'm amazing. Little moments like that yeah. I didn't like, but the rest of it was fucking awesome. I enjoyed it.
0: I mean, I think it was just too dark. Uh, like, I probably the number one complaint I got from my friends were like, well, dude, it's not that funny. But it's like, uh, stand up's not a funny business. Yeah.
1: Like you think that's why I, we liked it and non, like people that just watch us were like, I was expecting more jokes. I was like, yeah, but they were trying to show you stuff that happens outside of the jokes. How we get to the jokes?
0: Yeah, I mean, we just lost another L.A. comic, uh, Eric Myers. Um, you know, he was a great, uh, super funny comic, and uh, you know, he had a lot of demons. And uh, what you know,
1: happened with him? Because I had only seen one clip before. I knew the Taco Bell joke. I had heard that before. That's a very funny little bit. And someone yeah. had, re- I think, Brad Ernst had reposted it, and I saw it again now. But what what I, I I hadn't read any details. I don't know if it was COVID or what the hell happened to the guy. But I just saw that everyone was upset, and the guy seemed young.
0: Yeah, I mean he was forty, I think. Yeah, he's so, young. Uh, that's young to me. Um, you know, he had a lot of demons, and uh, just uh, I, he just lost his dad two weeks ago. So uh, you know, and you know, for some reason he was walking on the highway at six in the morning um and dark clothing and you know the the truck who hit him you gotta feel bad for them because like you know it's six in the morning you you're not gonna see someone at Twilight walking in a dark outfit yeah. um so the, I mean I have my own theories that like it was his way of killing himself but I don't know that you know uh so, you know, it's it's comedy, as you know, is littered with, you know, Brody Stevens.
1: Yeah, that was a surprise to him.
0: I've probably, I mean, I've been doing stand-up for 20 years. I've probably known 10 people who've committed suicide. So, you know, it's like, that's why it's not that funny. Because people, like, it's a brutal business. Like, you know, I mean, I'm not telling you that, but like.
1: No, it is. You know,
0: now I get rejection from not only stand-up, but voiceovers a hundred times the rejection rate. Uh, <laughs> just because they you know, like I don't know how many A clubs there are in America. I'll guess 200, you know, give or take, you know, you have probably California has 15, but Alaska has one. So uh, if you're a truly funny comic, you will get work at one of those 200 clubs when life is normal again but in, in the voiceover world you know it's so uh segmented like you know i'm obviously in the deep voice category and there's really only 10 of us in that category and we all work like you know i'm on L.A.'s and I'm dying up here, and then you've got Billy Brown, who's like this fantastic block actor. If you watch Sons of Anarchy, he was the bad guy in the last couple seasons. Okay, um, and then there's maybe a couple other guys. You're really only going up against ten people, uh, you know, who are seriously uh, being considered for the part. So, um, so it, it's. <laughs> Now I get that rejection on top of a stand-up rejection. So it's – luckily, uh, I don't know how I haven't walked on the freeway myself.
1: Well, I I think some of us were were able to handle the rejection a bit better. That's all I think it is Um, because it doesn't stop. It comes from everywhere. People think – every time they see you succeed, they assume that that's all it is. It's all positive, and they don't see what all the fucking losses – you took to get to that one uh, you know, successful moment, and then all the other losses that are ahead of you. It's, um, I, I think that's what happened on social media. It gets babied so much. It's watered down. They only see the good that whenever yeah. th- some people that don't know that there's so many roadblocks, the second they hit a couple, they start losing their shit.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember when I uh, beat Jimmy Carr at, in Montreal for Roast Battle. I had all these people, industry and just fans going dude who are you are you new to comedy i'm like new to comedy <laughs> i've been doing it for at that point 15 years like i was like i don't need to hear that uh but you know because you know obviously i was pretty unknown before that so like i get why they were asking me but it was still like a kick in the nuts to like yeah to that's be a... doing something for 15 years and have someone say are you new with this? I'm like, uh, not really.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a good first set.
0: Yeah, I mean, I wish. Uh, but uh yeah, I mean, they don't see the years and you know, you don't realize Bill Burr did his first special at 40, like, you know, he probably been in yeah. comedy almost 20 years at that point. Uh, you know, or at least 15. So, yeah, it's they don't I think we're so focused on uh, followers and likes, and you don't see the years that went into those, uh, you know, followers and likes.
1: Like Rogan, I remember when he signed the deal with Spotify. People were talking shit. They're like, "Oh, it's that easy!" And he did. He's been doing it for over ten years. Uh, literally, with in the beginning, you remember that that stream shows that he would do with nothing, just his buddies oh, yeah. trying to make it work, uh, with the flashlight, sponsor, all that. Took sure. over 10 years to build an empire to get to that point. And all they see was, oh, he signed a big contract. What is that? It's so easy. It's it's so stupid. It's so stupid how people don't realize the amount of work that goes into all this shit.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, like he, and he's probably been doing stand up for 20 years. Yeah. Like, you know, and then, you know, the, the news, radio, and fear factor, and and all the, you know, the UFC announcing and, and all that. Uh, like, I don't think people. I think if you're unknown, and not that he was unknown, but like, I think if you guys like you and me, we get on TV finally, it's like, oh, who is this person? Like, but especially if they're not in the city where you're at, like in yeah. LA, I have like a cult following, uh, you know, where I don't think people admire my stand up, but they admire that I haven't quit.
1: <laughs> is that what it is? Is that what it is?
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, like, you know, I went pretty much thirteen years with no success, but I kept doing it because I, I really I enjoy doing stand up. So uh
1: did the whatever. podcast did the podcast open doors for you when you started podcasting?
0: It did because I like Rogan gets presidents and you know people that rule the world. I got like these weird celebrities, uh, like the bad guy from Superman 2. Like, <laughs> but not like Terrence stamp, who is like this legendary actor. I got the bad guy who didn't talk. And I thought he was just a huge guy. And I'm like, that'd be an interesting guy to have on. And I reached out to him and at, I think he's like 70. Uh, he's like, Oh, can we do Skype? I'm like, no he's like oh you do it over the phone i'm like no you gotta come over you do it uh you gotta come to my house and i could tell this his enthusiasm dropped (laughs) but he came uh and he was an amazing interview he because he was a heavyweight boxer which i had no idea
1: i didn't know either yeah
0: he fought uh i think he fought george foreman so like he was legit
1: um, so did they see him box and then they're like we got a part for you or did he want to transition into acting
0: a little of both because uh, you know he, he wasn't a bad boxer he was very much like and uh, you know your older fans might recognize his name Tex Cobb who uh, he became famous because he fought Larry Holmes and Larry Holmes beat the shit out of him for 15 rounds <laughs> Tex Cobb was just laughing at him like he, I don't even think Tex Cobb threw punches. He was like, it was like Rocky. He was like, "I'm here because I'm going to prove that I can last. Oh, and wow. You're not going to knock me out." And he didn't. And then I think Hollywood's like, "This guy'd be a great bad guy," and so he got a lot of acting work. So I think it was probably similar to that. Uh, so I would go for celebrities like that, you know, uh, and because I'm in LA and I love '80s metal,
1: yeah.
0: you know, I reached out to like members of bands i liked like the singer from rat and uh so he would come on and uh, you know i would get hockey players uh dustin penner and uh, theo flurry i mean theo Fleury came to my home um so uh
1: you, but, that must you know, have it, been fucking cool though
0: well it, he, dustin penner was great because he's very funny and uh, you know, he brought his German police dog over, and he's running around my house. And he would only respond to Dustin if Dustin spoke German to him. It's like bizarre. <laughs> and then, like halfway through the interview, this girl in a bikini shows up, and I'm like, "Who is this?" And he's like, "Oh, she's gonna take the dog," and uh, <laughs> like he, was, she was his servant or something. And uh, so that was a little more fun, but because of Theo Fleury, what he went through and. You know, he kind of had this like Jerry Sandusky type uh, experience in junior hockey, and, and so his manager called me up and said, You got 20 minutes, we'll be over in a half hour. You don't have 21 minutes, so we had to jump right into it. And Fuck. Uh, you know, I'm almost crying because you, know, you could still see to be in the room with him, especially like you could feel the pain in him still, like, um. So, and I
1: think uh, that coach apparently screwed around with other kids too.
0: Yeah, there's rumors, and I, you know, I'm even though my podcast is called Inappropriate Earl, I it's actually quite appropriate. Like, I, I didn't ask him who the other players were. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's not
1: he, I don't think it's for him anyway to out there. Yeah, I
0: mean, it, it's, I mean, there's you know, pretty substantiated, uh, I don't want to say facts, but, uh, uh, accusations isn't the right word either uh, of who the other two big players were but uh you know he got up and I'm I'm crying I hug him I'm like I used to hate this guy like, I'm a <laughs> yeah. king fan. and he he would always kill the king yeah. <laughs> a little, such a little bastard and he just was fearless and uh I'm like crying hugging him and uh you know he, he he reached out. Uh, I think he, we did a Zoom, I guess, uh, like a month and a half ago, and uh, it's just like it was still like it was a little more lighthearted. Uh, but uh, you know, the numbers for my podcast they go up and down. Like
1: all podcasts, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I hit a good run of like uh, I think I had like six or seven people on in a row that had like. Probably combined ten million followers on Twitter, so that that helped a little
1: yeah. bit.
0: Uh, but then you know I had roast battle comics on who don't have like eight followers, so that you know, you know I did a lot of roast battle episodes just because I, I don't want to say I was lazy, but it, they were just easy people to. Oh yeah, I'll do it.
1: Well, especially uh, with you know sometimes it's hard to get with this dude has been crazy. Good thing we have Skype.
0: Yeah. Uh, oh, it's been uh, like I just had my first. Uh, in-person episode last week in a year with Jamie Kennedy because he he was like, hey, are you healthy? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, my fiance, she writes and produces on the ABC show, uh, Holy Moly, you know, the golf, uh, like a reality golf stunt type show. But she has to get tested like three times a week. so
1: When did uh, you have him on? I got to check out the episode because I like him. I even, I reached out to him. The thing is, he doesn't have an email uh, address, the guy that works. So it kept bouncing back.
0: I would recommend Twitter, like if you okay. DM him on Twitter, I guarantee you he'll get back to you. I, I got to edit it, uh, uh, but I, it was last uh, Monday, this Monday. I'm going to listen to that,
1: I like him, I, I like the both of you, so I'm going to, yeah, I like, um, I've, I've noticed he started a podcast, I've been watching his YouTube videos, I find them interesting, yeah. about Scream, how he got cast in that, and all the stories, I like that kind of shit, I always love the behind the the scenes stories, I love that.
0: I mean, he's been a working actor for thirty years, man. Like, so, uh, like, I'm obsessed with this movie he was in Boiler Room.
1: What was that about?
0: Came out in 2000, and it was really uh, about telemarketing scams and uh, in the stock market. And uh, it's just like it's a great cast. It's like Vin Diesel before he was like super famous, and uh, Giovanni Ribisi, who's like. you might not know his name, but you know his face because he's been, and uh, and he was really funny in it. And like you know, he he's stand up's really good. And I'm
1: uh, writing it down. Boiler Room. I got some uh, for tonight.
0: A, yeah, it's a guilty pleasure movie for me. Like it's like Goodfellas, where uh, anytime it's on, I'll watch it, uh, okay. no matter what part of the movie it's in, uh, just because it reminded. Because even he was like, all the things I've done. Why do you like Boiler Room so much? <laughs> Cause it reminded me of the friends I had back then, you know, Ah, you know, they worked hundred hour weeks, but they also in two days would have hundred hour weekends. If you know what I'm saying? Like, and, uh, it's, it's just a fun, it's like wall street, but like with a younger uh, ensemble. And, uh, so he was really nice Uh, and, uh, he's in at the laugh factory. So I was like, Hey man, help me out, brother.
1: Yeah, help me get. <laughs> yeah, help me get in there so I can yell some shit on stage.
0: Yeah, talk to Jamie for me. I don't think he likes my comedy, but please help me.
1: Oh, that's the. I have seen him once. The owner, right?
0: Yeah, he's like an Armenian.
1: Armenian, man. that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: He's very intimidating, but uh...
1: is he? He seemed uh, well. Then again, I haven't. You know, maybe I gotta sit up close to to check out. He seemed very docile. He had a funny well, accent. Yeah.
0: He's uh small in stature, but like, you know, I think you're just, it's like a Godfather, you know, he's the owner. So, uh, you know, uh, I showcased for him once. It was kind of a bizarre process. And, uh, you know, I had a really, n- not a set cause it's only like five minutes, but, uh, is come back in two weeks, you become paid regular. So I'm like, Oh, oh shit. great. As long, as long as I don't bomb, I'm in. And, uh, So I come back in two weeks and I had an even better five minutes than I did when he told me that. So I'm walking up the stairs to talk to him because he makes you he sits in like this Darth Vader like chair and you you sit across from him and he tells you whatever he tells you. And (laughs) before my ass even hit the chair, he was like, you don't do it for me, buddy. You're too monotone. I'm like, well. Two weeks ago, you told me I was great. And he's like, I don't remember. I <laughs> <Yeah>. was
1: drunk. <laughs> this I'm fucking guy. I
0: comedy store. So, uh,
1: I, but mean, he was,
0: I don't know. It's just like.
1: You're in funny. where you want to be, though, because, like, uh, at the store, you seem fucking comfortable.
0: Well, it's, I think it fits my humor the best, you know, because it's a, you know, you've been there, it's a dark vibe, and, you know, it's, it's uh, I do think uh, certain, at least in L.A., certain comics do better. You know, like I've never really killed at the improv, to be honest. Okay. I, I survived. Uh, you know, the Laugh Factory, I've, I've done okay. But at the store, I just, it's such a dark energy there. And that's my personality that, uh, you know, I, uh, I, I think dark humor is best there.
1: I like the store a lot. I, li- I like everything about it. I like yeah, everything I mean, from the outside setting where you could just chill before you go do your set. I like everything about it. These little nooks and crannies they have where you all know as locals where to hide so you can shoot the shit. I like everything about it.
0: Yeah, I mean, you could have a good time at the store and not even go up. Like, yeah. Because you know, there's like three bars. There's three showrooms. There's the... Um, like the... The area in the back where people may or may not smoke marijuana, <laughs> I, I cannot confirm. Um, Isn't it legal? Stuff. It's
1: not legal in L.A. yet.
0: Oh, it's legal, but like, I, I don't know. There's not many comedy clubs where people are lighting up, um, <laughs> you know, but uh, I don't even smoke and I like going back there. Uh, just uh, it's fun. So like, whereas like at the Laugh Factory, if you're a comic, you do your set, and you leave, Um there's not really a hangout area. I mean, the improv is there's a bit of a hangout area, but it's in such a I don't want to get too local for your listeners, but it, it's, it's in um, an area of Melrose where there's not a lot of foot traffic and like after 8 p.m. It's kind of dead. So nothing is yeah. the, the vibe of the store, which is in the middle of sunset.
1: Well, cause that's what happens, right? It's either if you, let's say you're at the factory, if you're going to eat at the deli, that's the only thing you're going to do around there. You're just going to yeah. w- make your way to the store. Cause that's where you're going to hang out.
0: Yeah. And the deli closed green I'll give them a plug. They don't give me free food, but like the best grilled cheese and in in, like, if you like grilled cheese, go to green man. It's like, uh, they'll charge you double probably since I told you but, <laughs> uh, it's, um, yeah. You, you go there and they kind of close early uh whereas the store you can walk to uh there's a sushi restaurant next door it, it's expensive but they're is the bars open late not that you would want to go to a bar there being three bars at the store yeah but, exactly uh, you know it, it's just it's like a nightclub with comedy inside of it
1: that's that's how it feels yeah it yeah that's how it feels it feels like a like a lounge
0: yeah. I mean, there's audience members who just come to hang out in the outdoor patio. Um, so it's, uh, there's, I always say it's probably the best way to describe the store. Whatever you're into is there. Uh, whether it's comedy, you want to pick up women or whatever, you could probably do that too. Uh, or dudes whatever you're (laughs) in
1: what I I like about it is that I guess when it's packed you don't know who you're going to see like everyone's around so I I remember fuck I I remember how it happened last time when we we were having a conversation then I we were going through the kitchen and I see you I'm like oh it's fucking Earl (laughs) you're just hanging out in the kitchen you're like come here let me tell you something and then you were telling me a story about something that just happened outside and it felt like a video game like every every place I'd go to I'd see someone else who had a story for me it was uh i like those kind of hangouts where you know everyone's gonna be there
0: i mean it's i'm not even counting the kitchen area as part of like the the scene but that's where some of the funnest moments have ever happened is just uh uh, you know if you're with a paid regular and you can go back there and not just anyone can go back there, which I guess makes it kind of fun. That's that's what you uh, this, told me.
1: You were telling me to enjoy it. You go by the way, just so you know, not everyone's allowed to be here. <laughs> yeah, because
0: you know they want to give mainly Rogan his, you know, space from.
1: Yeah, it makes know, sense. Yeah,
0: you know, idiots going up to him, going, "Hey, man, tell us about the Overeem fight," and like he don't want to talk about that stuff, like that must have
1: gotten stressful too for him and some other guys imagine every night you have strangers coming up to you yelling about something that you just said or that you yelled at during the ufc event or that you saw on your podcast it must get tiring
0: him or Chappelle or really any big name comic or or even marginally known comic uh it is nice to just have a little uh area where you can talk to your friends or you're, you're out of town comics like you and and, uh, it, you know, uh, it's nice. Uh, it's like a little clubhouse in the back. Uh, but, you know, if you're skilled at bullshitting, you could still get your way back in there.
1: Oh, you uh, could sneak in there. You're getting uh, me hyped up. You know that right now. I'm, I'm getting fucking hyped. I want everything to go back normal so I could fly your way.
0: Oh, I know. I, I miss it. Like, uh, but uh, I'm too nice to getting people back in there. Like, there are these two girls, Chappelle was on. And uh, they were like, oh, please, can you get us? Up? He was in the belly room. And I didn't know these girls. Um, I, I'd known them for two seconds. And uh, they were like, oh, please, please. We see everyone's talking to you. Can you get us back there? I'm like, I, I tell you what. I'm going to tell the, the security guy, uh, you girls are cool. But whatever you do, don't embarrass me. Like, This is one <laughs> of the few places where the industry has treated me well. Don't F that up for me. So I get them in, and about three minutes later, I see them in the parking lot. They got kicked out, and, of course, they were like, oh, we're friends with Earl. I'm like, no.
1: No. (laughs) You can't kick us out with Earl. They're like, all right, I'm going to remember that.
0: I'm like, and then everyone's looking at me like, Earl, do you know these girls? And they're looking at me. I'm like, I've never seen these girls before in my life. (laughs) How do they know your name? I have no idea. Everybody
1: knows my name. I'm Earl.
0: Yeah, I'm Earl. You know, come on, man. Get
1: with it. That's how you gotta be. Oh, fuck, dude. Now I'm all hyped up. I fucking... I miss... Because, dude, I don't have it. I have it with Mike, like, during the podcast, the hang. But the comedian yeah. hang, for me, doesn't exist anymore because there's no more clubs. So I don't have that just hanging out in the back and fucking around before I do my set.
0: Yeah, I mean, the last time I've really hung out with anyone is uh, unfortunate. You know, we go back to the comedy being sad. Uh, the piano player of the comedy store, uh, Jeff, Jeff Scott legend there, uh, there for 30 years and he brings up every comic. So if, if you've ever seen any comic in the original room, Jeff has brought them up and, uh, he's just a brilliant, you know, if he liked you, he'd stay in the room. It, like he loved me. Cause you know, he was, he was incredibly gay <laughs> and I have this, Weird knowledge of gay movies that like the village people were in so we we bonded over that and like if I was bombing which Has happened on occasion.
1: It'll happen uh,
0: he would play like a village people song to get the room going again and uh, he unfortunately passed away a a month ago and uh, He had like a 500 pound piano in his apartment that uh, the manager from the comedy store is like, Hey, you're the only comic I know that works out other than Rogan. <laughs> Can you help us move the uh, piano? It's, it's going to be me and the, the two managers from the store. And it's like, I, Yeah, I'll do it just to be around anyone from the comedy store. And, and you know, although it was backbreaking work, it was fun to be around, uh, you know, my friends for, uh, even though it was very sad, uh, you know, just, I did it just to be around. You know, my friends for, you
1: know, an hour or two. Don't worry, bro. Sooner rather than later, I think we're going to get back to it.
0: I mean, I think, I mean, I know in LA, the cases are going down pretty uh, consistently. Uh, um, you know, and, and there seems to be some more outdoor shows happening. Uh, I mean, the comedy store is in a weird spot because they don't serve food. I mean, they have like uh, pretzels and stuff, but like, so they can't really.
1: Um, they can't open as a restaurant
0: yeah because they don't i don't think uh warm nuts and pretzels qualify as a restaurant (laughs) they tried in the early era of the pandemic but uh uh, i think you know uh, i did a few shows what they were doing was you could be in the original room the comic and you were doing uh the, the crowd was in the patio so you had the window
1: um, oh yeah you now you're like, facing the other way so you can look at them outside
0: yeah and it was like performing in the red light district in Anthony, you know? <laughs> and there was like a bizarre delay where they could hear you you can't hear them so you would do a joke or story or whatever and you kind of wait awkwardly to to just see them laugh and you don't know if they're laughing at you or they're laughing talking to their friend or you, you know so it was it was horrible so <sighs> uh you know, I think we've all decided let's wait.
1: But at least they fucking tried something.
0: Oh yeah. They did uh probably the funnest show in, in 20 years of comedy was they did a show in the parking lot where somehow it was allowed. And, uh, it's where all the comics parked their cars. It was tables. Yeah. And, uh, the, you were behind like a hockey style, uh, glass partition. <laughs> it, you, as silly as this sounds, you could feel the love from the crowd. Like they were so happy to hear. They didn't care. I mean, obviously, none of us were big names that night. They could care less. They treated us all like we were Rogan at a theater. You could like. There was like one girl in front crying, like because she was just happy to be around other people and hear jokes. And goddamn. It was like uh, that. It was an amazing night, Uh, but for some reason, I think they got in trouble for doing that. Uh, They said it was. They had this weird rule in L.A. I don't, I don't know what it's like in Montreal, where the if you have a crowd, they can't come to see an entertainer. Um,
1: What a stupid rule!
0: Has to be food related. Uh, I
1: came for the pretzels.
0: Yeah, believe me, no one's coming for the comedy store process. Uh, <sighs> or, but so uh, that got shut down, uh, I think, after that show. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, we, you know, we're all waiting. I mean, no one really knows. You know, that's the thing. It's like, it could be in a month, could be summer, could be—I I don't know. I'm hoping I mean, fucking summer. they talk about kids going to school now, so. Uh, You know, I think stuff like that starts and, you know, maybe comedy shows could, you know, two months. No one knows.
1: Yes, it's a clusterfuck here, too. The kids are in school, then they stop them, then they put them back in. They're closing. So we have a curfew. We're the only place in North America that has an 8 p.m. curfew.
0: That's crazy. Yeah.
1: I refuse Uh, to follow it.
0: Well, I mean, like we had a curfew. Uh, here, I mean we don't now because um, you can do outdoor dining here, which um, you know it's better than nothing, I guess. Man. but uh, you know it, like when we had the curfew here in the height of the pandemic, like I got away with being out because of the dog. you know, I could say, hey, I gotta walk my dog and uh, but uh, yeah, that was brutal like when we I think it was 6:30 uh, p.m. <laughs> Curfew for us, and it was just like, uh, oh, that's
1: it's 8 p.m. here, and we go crazy.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, at least now, uh, like last night, uh, we went out to dinner at, I don't know, ten thirty. It's, it's starting to open up a little bit, like on sunset, just uh, was it west of the comedy store? There's like a six or seven restaurants, and so last night was like the first night in a very long time, uh, that I saw like sold out uh, outdoor dining and it was like you could feel like the energy a little bit coming back um but uh we're still always from indoor uh, entertainment i guess
1: same luckily though dude we have podcasts which brings me to when's the uh, the next podcast dropping what are we gonna tell people when are they gonna getting you an appropriate earl
0: well uh the jamie kennedy one will be out next week and then I'm going to make my first attempt at a Zoom, or no, Skype. I'm sorry, um, inappropriate. Earl with the hockey player Nick Kiprios.
1: Oh, Greekster.
0: Yes, I read his book. Let me uh, hold on here. I should have had this prepared, but I read. Uh, I don't know if you could see this.
1: Uh, yeah. Oh, look at called. him
0: undrafted, and it's just, you know, his biography, and uh, I I think even if you don't like hockey, you'll like the story, because it's, it's, you know, like I identified with it, because it took me so long to make it, whatever making it is.
1: Yeah, whatever that is.
0: Uh, Yeah, I mean, I don't even know what making it is, but, uh, you know, he had a pretty hard road to the NHL, so uh, we're going to do that March 4th. I don't know how to interview someone on Skype or Zoom and keep the audio. So, uh, it's, Oh, you'll
1: talk, you'll talk to me.
0: Yeah, no, I definitely, and I won't bore people with that.
1: You'll talk to me. I'll, I'll help you out. It's fucking easy. Don't worry. You got this.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I do, um, every now and then I do with my friend, Chad Zumach, we do a, uh, he has a podcast called sit down Zumach and we do a, a dual inappropriate oral sit down Zumach where we, uh, he has this girl who gets us amazing guests, uh, like bad guys from the '80s. Uh, um, like we had uh, Kim Coates. I love right? Kim Coates. Oh, he was awesome! Like he, uh, this, his, uh, Chad's friend reached out to him. Hey, we got these two comics. Would you come on their podcast? And he's like, "Yeah, no problem." And uh, and Chad saves the uh, audio and sends me an MP3. So I just have to make sure. Um, I do that because I would hate to interview Nick Kiprios and then have it just disappear.
1: Well, as long as you're recording it, you will be able to transfer it to just audio rip, just the audio. So just make sure you fucking record it.
0: Yeah, I know. I know it's not that difficult, but I'm uh, when the guy from Guitar Center installed my Newman mic, uh, he's like, oh, dude, it's really simple. And I'm like, bro, you don't know who you're talking to. Uh, (laughs) Here's 50 bucks
1: just do it it. yeah
0: he's like let me show you how to do it and i'm like dude can you come to my house i'll pay you whatever you need i I, he could have told me 100 i would have given him 100 uh i'm just not technologically gifted but uh so those are the next two podcasts uh and then uh a couple comics has said they would come over but you know comics who knows if they come
1: over or not yeah well like i said we're flaky sometimes
0: Oh, I get it. Which, but I'm not like. That's why I felt awful yesterday. Like,
1: I it happens and, to the best of us. Like, I'm not either. Like, I try to keep my show organized, but it's happened before. Where one time I'll forget I have a podcast that uh, someone scheduled me to be a guest on, and I'll be like, "Oh fuck!" And I got to reschedule last minute because I forgot. It happens.
0: Well, I just feel bad. Like, uh, it's just. Uh and, you know, I know you knew it wasn't intentional, but still, like, you know, your schedule is, like, you got shit to do, and, like, you know, uh, so... Cause I don't know how fucking
1: stress it. about it, Earl. Don't... I think we've gone past that in our relationship. You can fucking but, be late and forget shit.
0: But it's just how I am. Like, yeah. it's just, like, I over-apologize when I'm in... Not that I was... I mean, I was in the wrong, but, like, you know, a mistake uh, it um yeah, I just that's how I was raised, I guess. because I know how hard it is to get guests over here.
1: Yeah, it's but, a pain.
0: You know, and, and it's a pain for I'm respectful. Like Jamie Kennedy, he lives in well, he lives. I want to say where he lives,
1: but uh, he just drop his address. You're like, Let me, if you need to pick him up, <laughs> three
0: hundred nine Friar Street. If you guys are fans <laughs> of the stream, uh, but he lives probably a half hour away. You know, he was nice enough to come over and, and fight L.A. traffic and got a fight LA traffic, go back home. So, uh, you know, I'm and like Nick Kiprios, you know, he's pretty famous, uh, yeah. post hockey. He's, uh, I guess you'd call him a hockey personality. Now he's nice enough to do it. So, you know, I, I try and, uh, have as few F ups as I can.
1: Oh, don't worry. No F ups here. We got this. And also, I'm gonna tell people that they should fucking follow, subscribe to inappropriate Earl, and links are in the description. Super easy, for them. they don't gotta look for anything. They click on links. We got SoundCloud. We got everything. Simple as what?
0: that. Well, it, uh, yeah, I mean, thank you. Like, it, I don't think people realize, you know, we do this primarily for free, you know. But if you, just a simple subscribe and review uh,
1: goes a long way. You know,
0: Oh, dude! It's like it cracks the algorithm. That's the that's the whole scam. At least on Apple Podcasts is cracking the, the algorithm. And it's I from what I've been told, and it probably has changed. It's it's artwork for some weird reason, uh, which makes sense because if you go on the top fifty of, of Apple Podcast comedy, yeah, uh, I'm so used to calling it iTunes comedy, but it's not called that. All the top ep, you know uh, podcasts like Rogan, Joey Diaz. Uh, you know, my favorite murder. They all have kind of cool looking artwork. Uh, and then it's reviews and subscriptions.
1: Yeah. So, the reviews, the, the star ratings in the comments are big. They, they help move your uh, podcast up.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it's so like, please subscribe to mine, yours, Chad's, uh, anyone you listen to it. Like you get a lot of free content. It, I don't think we're asking much to like hit a star,
1: hit a star, fucking share it. Tell your friends, Plus, you already yeah. had good, interesting guests, but now coming up, it sounds like you got some uh, interesting interviews, so it's worth it. It's worth a fucking listen. Well,
0: I, I, now that i have busting my Zoom and Skype cherry, I, I can get like slightly bigger names. Uh, I mean, when I first started, I don't know about you, but when I first started mine, I was like, I just want to interview my friends, expose them. I kind of do what Rogan does, but on a much, much smaller scale. Um you know, like, hey, I'll have this roast battle comic on that nobody knows, but you know, get them a couple fans or yeah. whatever. Uh, so, but now, you know, I don't want to say sadly, but you know, bigger guests get bigger numbers. So, um, you know, like the Theo Fleury episode did really well versus, you know, the the comic I had on before him, just a friend, you know, and so it's like, I mean, you know, it's this is how uh, it is. It's a balancing act of well I want to just talk to my friends but you know if you can get you know a famous comic a famous hockey player or whatever it it, it helps.
1: Yeah, why the fuck would you say no?
0: Well, I mean like I have, like you and I have great chemistry, you know. Uh, so it's this hour and a half or whatever it's been has gone by like that. Uh, you know, I've had a few interviews where like
1: oh dude I don't
0: miss- it's
1: brutal. I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, where well, you're looking at the time and you're like, "What the fuck's going on here? This isn't, this isn't how okay. conversations go."
0: Yeah, like I had one guest. I won't say who they are. I'll basically give it away how I describe it. Um, they were uh, an '80s. Let's just say they were an '80s based guest. Okay. And they didn't want to talk about anything from the '80s. And like, I get it. Like,
1: um, they're all talked you know,
0: out. I mean. Like any podcast I go on, the, the first thing they want to talk about is roast battle, and like, and that's just five years ago, and I'm sick of talking about it. Just because there's only so many ways to tell the story, like, and so yeah. I get like, I can only imagine how you feel about someone asking you about a uh, a warrant video. Oops, I think I just gave it away uh, <laughs> from you know 1988, but it's like. If that's primarily what you've done.
1: What else would, would you expect me to talk about?
0: Yeah, like I read their book. I won't give away their gender. <clears throat> and it was like, well, you're known for this video and and winning this talent show. Uh, like, I, I, like I, I don't know what else to ask you. And it, I think it's the only episode other than my Ralphie Mae tribute that went under an hour and that 57 minutes, as you know,
1: Oh dude, it,
0: it felt like six hours.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. That's you're like, how the fuck is this possible? What do I do now? Do I just end this? <laughs> just
0: well, hang up. It, well, it's even more awkward because she was in, my, Oh, I just gave away her. Jet. Oh, there Sorry. we go. They were in my house and like, Like she brought her boyfriend, which is fine. I mean, (laughs) I'm sure if you're a hot chick, you don't want to go over to some unknown comics house. So I didn't mind that. But it's like, come on, I'm not like I'm not going to do anything to you. And she had slept with some celebrities that would have made it a great interview. But you can't really bring
1: that up with this guy sitting there.
0: Well, this, well, I could have if the guy was cool, but he was like some 21-year-old kid who didn't say a word. So I was like, well, I don't want to be rude to him, but I'd really like to know how big Leonardo DiCaprio did. Yeah. <laughs> or Dave Navarro. Because in, in her book, she has this great story about Dave Navarro and, like, you know... <laughs> Read the book. (laughs) Uh, But I just I couldn't ask because I was like, well, I don't want to embarrass her in front of her boyfriend. And she clearly was in charge.
1: Uh, Oh, you uh, think with 21 year old? (laughs) Yeah, she clearly was.
0: I was trying to be cool because I thought, well, she was nice enough to do this. So, yeah, uh, you know, it was fine. But it was just like the opposite end was like when I had Tony Katane on who, uh, you know, probably all my listeners have jacked off to, uh, you know, she was in all the white snake videos and the rat videos and, uh, she dated, uh, the, the singer from white snake, the, the guitar player from rat. Uh, the only thing she wouldn't talk about was OJ cause she dated OJ. Oh,
1: I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know. It's a great story, but she's like, and it was like a two and a half hour interview. And she's like, girl, I'll talk to you about anything you want, but about that particular person, uh, uh-uh. And I'm like, come on, man. He said and if
1: it, I ever talk about him, he'd kill me, and for some reason, uh, I take yeah. that threat th- seriously. <laughs> yeah,
0: but, and, and, uh, but she, So that was an interview that was like completely the opposite, where it's like, wow, I, this could go on for five hours, and I wouldn't be bored. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's... I mean, you go through the same thing, you you know, some people you have chemistry with and and the rare occasion when you don't, it's brutal. So leave a review.
1: Yeah, leave a goddamn review. But All right, so Earl, I'm going to let you get back to your goddamn LA lifestyle. It's the middle of the afternoon. Go have your fucking lunch. I'm going to go check in on Poseidon. He... he What'd you say? Side say hello. I'm gonna tell him now. He has a, He just finished his podcast on Saturdays. He does a podcast on Patreon with uh, with an escort, and uh, they have good chemistry together. So uh, I'm gonna go check up on them, see how that went.
0: Well, dude, it's always a pleasure. Uh, you're one of the good ones, and I, I wish uh, we saw each other more. But uh, hopefully by summer, you'll be here or I'll be in Montreal. Oh, or- we,
1: We're gonna figure once shit opens up. We're gonna have to figure something out.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, I, uh, I I think when this first started, I was scheduled to do Edmonton, and I was really excited because it was my first time headlining in Canada, and of course, you know, uh, Tammy, the owner, was like, hey, uh, you can still come up here and headline, but you gotta quarantine up here for two weeks. Oh God. And then you gotta go back to LA and quarantine, which wouldn't have been a problem because I, you know... I was doing that anyway, but, uh, so I, I, I can't wait to get back to Canada.
1: Oh, dude. Hopefully, hopefully everything gets fucking settled soon. And remember what Earl just said, fucking subscribe. There's links in the description. Subscribe, leave a review, comment, the reviews, keep them five-star, keep them classy people.
0: Yeah. And, and, but it, even like, if you leave a bad review, like,
1: oh, it still helps, which is crazy. It's like YouTube, the, the down votes help the, as long as people are interacting with your YouTube videos. It helps the algorithm promote your video to other people because they care about interaction because if there's engagement, people will watch it even if they hate it. So it's such a weird phenomenon.
0: Yeah, like I mean, obviously, I don't want a bad review, but like this one guy recently wrote, uh, uh, yeah, I used to love this guy's podcast. He had interesting guests like the singer from Rat. Now it's just a bunch of comics I've never heard of before. (laughs) Unsubscribe.
1: He fucking sold out. He sold out. Big comedy got him.
0: I mean, but, like, hey, it, like, you know, I don't, what I love about Apple is that you can't take down a negative review. Like, yeah. At least to my knowledge, you can't. So, like, leave them. I'm not going to, like, they're going to stay up there, but hopefully you like the show.
1: Now they're going to like the show. Thank you guys for watching, and go fuck yourselves.
0: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's.